I wonder why you're here this morning. When you think of coming to church, what do you think of? Now, I'm not talking just about Riverside particularly, but rather the big idea of what we mean by church. Whether you're somebody who'd call yourself a follower of Jesus or not, what do you think of when you think of the word church? Because it's taken a bit of battering in recent years. Perhaps because habits have been broken during COVID. Perhaps because of all the leadership scandals in churches of various different sizes and tribes that keep seeming to happen. Perhaps because in a world that emphasizes my own self-fulfillment, the idea of being committed to a group of people is just too difficult. Perhaps simply because Sunday morning TV is just too good. For many and increasing numbers of people, it seems church and our relationship with church is a little bit fragile. For many in societies like ours, we are moving on from the idea of church. I don't know if you saw just recently the Church of England, the kind of the established national church has released their statistics over the last three years, and it makes for fascinating and perhaps grim reading. Sunday attendance in Church of England churches has nearly halved since the year 2000. In the Diocese of Hereford, just down the road, there are more church buildings than there are children in their churches. And it's not just the Church of England either. Most major denominations, the established long-standing historical denominations, are seeing similar decline. For example, the United Reformed Church has shrunk by 80% in the last 50 years. Many of us in our society seem to identify with Homer Simpson when we see this. I'm having the best day of my life and I owe it all to not going to church. Perhaps that's you. But on the other hand, at the same time, others in our society and our world are coming to a very different conclusion with a newfound love and commitment to church. Compare this Homer Simpson image to this image that's on the screen now. I had the privilege of going to Southeast Asia last year this is a small church that meets in a home. The reason it meets in a home is because they are not permitted to meet in public. The vitality, the necessity, the sense of community in that room was tangible. Church was not something that they could opt in and out of. It was necessary for them. And it seems, actually, that outside some of the more established denominations, actually, church attendance, even in our country, is changing. Did you know that in London, church attendance is now 10% higher than it was 40 years ago? Newer church groupings are popping up, sometimes growing quite dramatically. And even when you look beyond the non-English, beyond the English-speaking world, the growth of the church is remarkable. By the end of this decade, in five, six years' time, the biggest Christian country in the world will be China. So may I ask you, what's our relationship with the church? What's your relationship with the church? I wonder in our society 
where we seem to have less people going to church, that what is happening is that for those who really are part of church, it's becoming more and more necessary. And so today we carry on our three-part series at the beginning of this year. We've called it Changing the Conversation about how we as Riverside, in all our shapes and sizes, want to change the conversation. Last week, if you joined us, if not, do catch up on our YouTube channel. We thought about changing the conversation about how we see ourselves as individuals and other people. This week, we're thinking about us as church. And then next week, we're thinking about being the kind of church that Birmingham needs. So do come along next week as well. But this week, if I was to summarize where we're going and what has been said is this. During 2024, let's be the church that we need it to be. So all three of these weeks, we're looking at this passage in the Bible, Romans chapter 12. If you're not sure whether you're a Christian, you're just getting the handle on what the Bible is. The book of Romans is, if you like, one of the jewels in the crown. Written by a man called Paul, who used to be completely against the church, wanting to wipe it out, even being willing to murder. Had his life flipped around by an encounter with Jesus, so much so that he then planted scores of churches. And in chapters 1 to 11, just before the bit that we've read, it's all about what God has done in Jesus. And then we get to chapter 12, which is, if you like, and therefore, so what? In light of all that God has done, what do we do with it? And he's got four things that I'm going to briefly race through for all of us today. Whether we would call ourselves a Christian or not, whether Riverside is our church or not, whether we're here for the first time or the thousandth time. And as we go through, I want to say... Two things. If you're not sure you're a follower of Jesus or you're watching online and this is all new for you, I want to suggest think about the kind of community that you'd really love to be part of. Because might I suggest that when church is done well, it is exactly what we need and we know it. And the second thing is I want to say as we go through, I am so thankful for this church community that in many respects, what we're going to look at, this church shines brightly. There are so many people that you, you hear in leadership of people saying, I just love this church family. Thank you for the way it's supporting us. So well done as we jump into these four things. And the first is this. Friends, during 2024, let's change the conversation towards belonging. We live in an age, if you don't know, where commitment to voluntary groups is at an all-time low. Whether it be political party membership, whether it be local charity, charity work, or even just running a local sports club, it is at an all-time low in all sectors of society. It seems that we struggle with the idea of belonging to a community. And in an age where the emphasis is so much about my fulfillment, what I get out of it, we've forgotten a fundamental truth that getting actually comes through giving. Notice what Paul says in the passage that was read to us. Here it is. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, the church. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. Church, and for, first and foremost, about belonging to each other. 
Now, I can't help thinking that our age and our day struggles with this. And that's why perhaps some of us really struggle with it. The idea of belonging to others is a bit tricky. I'm my own person. I can do whatever I want. I saw some devastating stuff recently. And this was about our friends over the pond in America. But I wonder if it also applies in other parts of the Western world, maybe even the wider world. That in the USA, domestic violence is higher among men who call themselves Christians but attend church irregularly than it is for regular churchgoers or for those people who don't go at all. Isn't that astonishing? It's almost as if nominal Christianity, where people don't really belong and so therefore aren't accountable, but go to church for their own benefit, actually has a negative impact on society. In recent years, you don't need me to remind you that we've had scandal after scandal in all kinds of churches. And it isn't just churches, it's everywhere in the world. Where the emphasis so often is on what leaders say and do. On certain practices they want people to do for their benefit. And can I say this morning, if you are somebody that has been hurt by the church, whether this one or others, whether you're in the room or you're joining us online, I'm so sorry. The church is the bride of Jesus, but it is also fractured in many ways. We want to be a kind of church that models a different way. But did you notice something what Paul says? Whose body is the church? Christ's body. Therefore, he is the one who leads the church. We follow his way. He is the one who unites us. He willingly sacrificed for others. And so therefore, people within his body, the church, also are called to willingly sacrifice for others. The primary hallmark of church is not powerful services, but powerful serving. We belong to each other. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, we need you. I was tempted, I was tempted to say, why don't you say to the next person, I need you, but that could have gone a bit wrong. So, <laughs> we need you. If you've been around Riverside over the last few months, you'll know we've been encouraging people to submit their stories on video. Just a three-minute little snapshot of something of what Jesus has done in their life. We're going to watch another story now. And it's a beautiful story of the power of the church. Let's listen to Donovan's story. Hello, my name is Donovan, Don for short. I'm a member at Riverside in Birmingham, and this is my story. So I was brought up in a part of Birmingham, uh, Newtown, which is quite deprived. Um, I'm from a single parent family. My dad died when I was a baby, so I was raised by my mum, who had 
numerous uh, health issues and uh, traumas that she'd had to deal with. But despite all that, did a really great job with me and kept me safe, kept me loved. But we definitely uh, were in an environment which was quite difficult. Um, along with poverty, there were issues such as uh, you know, poor mental health, uh, lack of, sort of good services, good schools around, um, violence, you know, all these things affected um, you know, people very close to me and you know, things that would, uh, I'd witness uh, quite often. My mum uh, attended, a, a, she actually joined the church uh, when I was around uh, 10 years old, which in some ways brought some structure to my life and some benefits in terms of a wider community, the ability to mix with lots of different people, lots of opportunities, but uh, the, the big downside of the church is that it was a cult. And so as a result of that, um, there wasn't so much as a focus on Jesus, more on just rules in the Bible and more on just being apart from, from the world. So in that sense, my, my journey with Christ felt in some ways interrupted. I was lucky enough to leave and be the first person to go to university. And um, as a result of that, and the jobs I ended up getting, there were many opportunities to uh, travel the world for work, and actually finally got a, a job in Qatar. Now, we um, sadly, as pretty much as we arrived in Qatar, uh, my wife Karen was um, eight months pregnant and we lost our baby. But what came out of that was a church that we just joined who actually just wrapped us in love. They really showed us uh, Jesus. And they really showed us what it is to you know, to love your neighbour as yourself, as well as to, as to love God, and this is something that I've really carried uh, with me. You know, our, our story has not been an easy one. It's been uh, sort of many highs as well as lows, but uh, we really feel, and I personally feel that um, yeah, now I've got a real strong knowledge of, of of Jesus, who enables me to walk with him to walk alongside others, to share my experience and really to uh, to continue in, in relationship uh, with him. So I'm thankful for the opportunity and I'm happy to tell my story. Thanks very much. Thank you, Donovan. Great job, great job. Graham Tomlin says that the pathway to life passes through self-denial. It's when people willingly give out of themselves for the sake of others that it changes other people's lives. And do you notice what that looked like in the verse we've got in front of us? Verse 4, each part has a special function. You, yes, you, as well as the person next to you, you are essential. I wonder if in our day we forget that sometimes. Church is not first and foremost what I get out of it. It's the fact we belong to each other, that you're a vital, essential part. But Paul goes on to show what that looks like. 
And I want to suggest it's around a key word that we don't use very often. Here it is, the second point. Let's be a church that changes the conversation towards stewarding. Stewarding. Now, stewardship is different from being an owner of something. Uh, Many of you will know my father-in-law is a farmer. Uh, And as a farmer, what's interesting is when you talk to him about his view of the land. Because I think people outside the farming community often think of landowners, whereas most people in the farming community often think of it in terms of stewarding the land for the next generation or for the wider community. If we can have the next slide, please, Andy. It's about stewarding. Stewarding is using well what has been given to us. It's not that we're owning it. It's stewarding it. And that choice of word is important because Paul now gives a really long list of what belonging looks like. And it's about the part that all of us can play. Listen as we read through it. Here it is. Notice as we go through where all of these gifts come from. It's obvious, but it's worth reminding how often he emphasizes it. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. And do you get the point? He goes on. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness, do it gladly. God, in his kindness, has given his church lots of different gifts. That's why all around this room, there are very, very different talents, gifting, skill sets. And isn't it brilliant that you don't think like me and I don't think like you? Isn't that great? Our responsibility with that is to not underestimate the importance of your role and the gifts that God has given to his church. A few years ago, I read a book called Tribe by a guy called Sebastian Junger. And it's all about the impact of war on people's emotional health. Fascinating book. And about how actually what happens in wartime is there's a sense of community that is fascinating. And what's noticeable is the impact on soldiers. I don't know if anyone in our church community is part of the military community. But what's noticeable is how when people come back from war, the impact on their emotional well-being. And it isn't primarily, he writes, because of all that they have seen. It's because they no longer feel necessary. This is what he says, great quote. Humans don't mind hardship. In fact, they thrive on it. What they mind is not feeling necessary. Modern society has perfected the art of making people not feel necessary. It's time for that to end. Friends, you are necessary. You have a unique God-given role in this community. If you're just beginning to join this community, you have a unique part to play, maybe. And playing that part is not only good for the church, it's really good for you. If you're somebody who feels you don't really belong here, 
The way to belong is to get stuck in. And thank you to all who across all the different ministries and all the life of church are involved in faithfully, sacrificially serving other people. And I think that looks different in different stages of life, if I can be very brief here. For those who are in the later stage of life, your afternoon of life, if you like, might I encourage you to be the person that you needed when you were younger. Be the person that you needed when you were younger. I think many of us struggle to find our part. And we worry when we're younger and hormones are racing, we worry about the part we play and we worry about whether our faith is on the rocks because of our emotions. Friends, it's totally normal. When you're at the older stages of life and you worry that you struggle with what role do I really play here? Friends, that's really normal. When you're in the middle of life and you're struggling with relationships and meaning and what my future looks like, friends, that's normal. None of those stages impacts your relationship with God. It's about what he has done. One author, Ronald Rollheiser, beautifully says, there are two main commandments for our Western society. One is don't commit adultery. One is do not commit murder. In the early stages of life, we battle with the first one. And in the latter stages of life, we battle with the latter one. And somewhere in the middle, we battle with both. (laughs) Whether that's true or not, I want to say, whatever stage of life you are at and the things that you are navigating, you are a gift to this church family. You are needed. But there's something else, two more, very briefly. Not just belonging, not just stewarding the gifts that God has given to you. Let's change the conversation towards loving. Loving. One of the things that concerns me in my own heart is when church becomes about meeting my needs. Think back to that photo of the church in Southeast Asia. They needed each other, and so therefore the community was full of loving people. They needed each other so much so that when they were singing, they didn't have lyrics, they just got them on the phone, and they had to change key halfway through the song. It was, in one sense, awful, and in another sense, sublime, because they needed each other. Listen to Paul's emphasis, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 11. Don't just pretend to love Others really love them. I love how that was emphasized in the reading. Hate what's wrong. Hold tightly to what's good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Work hard. Serve the Lord enthusiastic. Our society loves love. And yet so often we think of it in terms of emotion, not in terms of action. Notice how he describes love. Not pretending, hating wrong, gripping onto good, honoring others, working hard. No emotions in that. Of course, being loved is emotional. But it's not just that. Think of Donovan's story. It was when the church community showed love in action that it had such an impact. Can I say, in my life so far, now that I'm in the afternoon of life in my mid-40s, I reckon I've been to over 40 funerals in my life. Many of which I've been involved with. Some not, not. But I have noticed something. Apart from the really you know, shocking, tragic ones, someone young and things like that, the most well-attended and most beautiful funerals by a mile 
have been the ones predominantly when someone was actively involved in the church community for years. They have a family. One of the things that concerns me in our church world is whether we've overemphasized emotional encounters in services with Jesus, which are brilliant, and underemphasized the life-giving necessity of being committed to a community. That will hurt us. And can I say very personally, many of you will know, we've been navigating a number of things over recent years. Even now. But alongside immediate family and friends, it is the church community who do so much. Thank you. That makes Jesus look incredible. That's why Paul emphasizes not being lazy. Love has legs, if you like. It always results in action. And the final thing then, not only about belonging, not only about stewarding the gifts that God has given to you, not only about really loving each other, the final thing is this. There's one way to live it out. It's about how we wait. Let me read a quote from a book about how people are turning away from the church, and it says this. I sometimes wonder whether people today are turning away from Christianity at all, or whether they're rejecting a cheapened sub-Christian optimism that worships the false god of personal peace and affluence. Many people my age seem to have made Christianity a means to a stable job, healthy family, happy emotional life, and then a surprise when the world lets them down. It is hard times when the church comes to the fore, friends. Do you notice something? Verses 12 and 13. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Patience, friends. We wait together for what we're longing for. It is at the hardest times when we may feel we don't want to show up. It is at those times where church can be the thing that carries us, friends. As we patiently need each other to rejoice in our confident hope. Well done to you who are really battling and yet you're showing up because you know you need your church community to carry you, otherwise you'll crumble. That's what church is for, friends. May we be that community increasingly this year. And it's because of Jesus that we can do all of this. Because of Jesus, we can put up with people who are different from us because he did. Because of Jesus, we can learn to forgive those who wound us, because he did. Because of Jesus, we can put others first, because he did. Because of Jesus, we can put serving at the top of our agenda, because he did. Because of Jesus, there really is hope beyond this life, because he won it for us. Let's continue to be a church community that spurs each other on because we belong together as sisters and brothers.